This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, happy Father's Day to all of you. We're here to celebrate the fathers today. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you with us. And so if you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up really, really high, and our ushers would gladly get you one. Then turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. So again, to break down the word honor, the word honor means to have high regard, to respect, to value, to appreciate, and to esteem. The definitions of a father is, is a nourisher, a protector, a founder, and an originator. I liked all those, and so I just say, again, that's what we're here to do today is to, to honor all the fathers. And I know there's a bunch in here that are fathers-to-be, so... We'll get right into the Word of God and see what the Word will tell us here. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him and follow His example. The message says, watch what God does and then do it. So again, he says, imitate God. Would he tell us to imitate God if that wasn't a possibility? And so again, what would happen if that become a prayer? Father God, grace me to imitate you. Grace me to love like you do, Father God. Grace me to forgive like you do. He goes on to say this, as dear children. As dear children. The Amplified says, as well-beloved children imitate their father. So since we are his children, God is our father. Now, what's interesting about God the Father is if you were just to look in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, on eight different occasions in that passage, it references God as Father. Many of you will know this as I highlight it. In Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9, the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father, which art in heaven. And so again, our, our, our heavenly Father is who we're to imitate. Man, I don't know about you, but I, I love the thought, I'm a child of God. God loves me and he loves you. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us. Now, again, I, I look at the, the blueprint here off of verse 1 and verse 2. What would happen if we, we asked God to grace us to imitate him? What would happen if we asked God to grace us to walk in the same type of love that Jesus did? But look at this also. As Christ has also loved us and he's given himself for us and offering a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so love of God is rooted in giving ourselves. Never one of us in here that's ever been a father, we understand that. That part of being a father is to give yourself. And so again, I pray that blessing on every one of us. I ask this come alive within us and this become real within us. So turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Again, happy Father's Day to all of you. This passage is, I'm just going to read one, one verse in this and I believe it'll kind of set the tone a little bit where we're headed today. Acts 13 verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation. Now note that 
after David served his own generation. He didn't didn't ask for them to serve him, but as he served his own generation. Now, the, the first service, I was blessed that in my own family, there was four of my generations here. My father was here, me, my, my son-in-law, and then my grandson. And so when you think about that, a lot of times in life, that's, that's what is impacted is four. Sometimes you get to five. That's huge. But I, I love the wording here that David served his generation. And how did he serve his generation? Now listen to this. By the will of God, better stated here, uh, uh, the message says, having completed the work God set out for him. He served them with the purposes of God. In other words, David said, you know what? As long as I'm on this earth, my job is to serve them with how God would desire me. And so I go back and I, I look at David's life. At one time, he was a son. His father was a man named Jesse. But then David became a father, and then David became a a grandfather, and so on. And so our role continually changes, but the goal every time for every one of us is, man, wherever you're at, have the heart to say, Father God, I want to serve my generations with your purpose. I, I, I want your mark to be upon them. And he goes on to end with this, and he says, then he fell asleep was buried with his sons, and he saw corruption or his body decayed. And so when I look at what this is talking about here, every one of us in this room as fathers are just like David. We have the opportunity to impart the plans, the purposes, and the counsels of God before I depart. And so just like David right here again, you you begin to see this. And when I read this about what he did, it was a spiritual legacy. His desire was a life worth remembering. How will your generation remember you? How will your generation, your your children remember you? And I, I want them to be remembered me by being a man of God, being a man of prayer, being a man of, of, of love and, and gratitude. So with that thought right there, he served his generation a life worth remembering. Remember, as Father's Day, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6-2, he said, honor your father. Respect your father. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 4, he commanded, honor your father. Love your father. Respect your father. Now, turn with me back into the Old Testament And we'll go to the book of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and some of you are turning there, you may say, man, Exodus 20 sounds real familiar. Well, it probably is to you because that's where the Ten Commandments are. And so when we talk about the Ten Commandments, these commandments were given by God to help us to prioritize the things of our life properly. Now, again, they're called the Ten Commandments. Not the ten suggestions. Not the pick fives. And so we begin here in Exodus 20, verse 12. Now remember, this is one of the ten commandments. Honor your father and your mother. The Amplified says, regard, treat with honor, do obedience and courtesy. 
The word honor in this, in this verse means to prize highly, to show respect, to glorify, and to exalt. Now, this was one of the, the Ten Commandments. So, to me, he's saying, this, this is an absolute, no exceptions, a, a timeless application. So when you look at this being a commandment of God, it casts revealing light on the significance God places for us to honor our fathers. So to a degree, this is what he's saying. When you honor your earthly fathers, it's as if you're honoring Father God. Now here's what I want you to do when you, you, you see this next part. Pay real close attention. You got to grade yourself on this. There's a promise attached. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. If we were to read that same passage in Ephesians 6 2, the apostle Paul said that your life would be long with you and that it would be well with you. So I read into this and I thought, this only happens when I honor my father or my mother, but in the situation today, we're talking about Father's Day. So if I honor my mother and father, I'm blessed with long life on this earth and it'll be well with me in every venue of my life. But if I choose not to, there's an opposite of this too. And it's not what I really want to talk about, but again, something happens when we begin to obey what God asks us to obey. So I'm stumbling along this week looking at different passages. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In these last days, perilous times will come. Dangerous times will come. One translation says, Times of great stress will come. And then in verse 2, it highlights some of the ways we'll begin to identify when we're in the last days. One of the most significant ones I found is it says children will be disobedient to their parents. Now when I begin to look at our society we're in right now, I have a pretty good feeling we are in the last days because this has taken place. Now, again, when it says children will be disobedient to their parents, that doesn't mean you have to be disobedient to your parents. You can, you can choose to go against that. And remember, when I honor and obey my father, he said, you'll be blessed with long life and it'll be well with you. Now, I'm going to stay right here in the book of Genesis chapter, or Exodus chapter 20, same chapter, Verse 5. Now he says here, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Now he's talking about idols. And that's how the Ten Commandments get. An idol is anything that we substitute in place of God. An idol could be a thing. An idol could be football. An idol could be shopping. An idol could be materialism. But he warns us here, don't do that. Then he goes on and says this. For I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. Now, when you see what's written there, God's character demands loyalty. Complete loyalty. So God's not into sharingness. God's into to marrying. He's not into dating. 
And so he says right there, I'm a jealous God. Keep reading. And I visit, some translations say, I punish the iniquity. Now I want to stop right there because sometimes we misunderstand the word iniquity. Iniquity is sin that has been handed down from generation to generation to generation. And what becomes happen or what happens with the generational iniquity, it gets stronger from generation to generation. To help you understand the word uh, iniquity it would be similar to physical genetics. And you'll hear this at times. You, you look like your mother, but you act like your father. You, 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 you look like your, your grandfather. And many times when we go to a doctor, one of the first things the doctor will ask us is say this. Tell me about your family history. You know why? Because they understand genetics or physical DNA that's handed down. Well, when you see a generational and iniquity, it's a sin that's been passed down. And, and I would venture to say every one of us in here have some form of generational and iniquities that's been handed down to us. So look at what the scriptures say here. I visit or punish the iniquities of the Father upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. So literally, it's talking about impacting future generations that because of our choices and our actions, we influence our offspring. It's, it's a transmitting of, of, of certain types of sin to generations after us. And so when you begin to look at this, you hand down a sinful legacy, a lifestyle, a set of value, a pattern of behavior. Now, I've spoken on this many times. And today we could sit here and we can highlight generational iniquities or we can choose to move on. And I've chose to move on. Why? Look at verse 6. But, but, that word but right there literally is a contrast or an alternative. Now watch the, the alternative. But I show mercy to the thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. So literally what he's saying here is I, uh, I give unswervingly loyal kindness and mercy to those who choose to live for me and obey me. Now the reason I want to highlight that is because we got a bunch of godly daddies in this house. Not perfect men, but men that have a heart for God. Men that say, you know what, I, I want to serve God all my life. And, and this is the spiritual legacy that I want to leave. So when I look at this right here, the, the father is the holder of the curse, but also the blessing. So the blessing is handed down to future generations. Now listen to this. What he just said in verse 6, the blessing is 500 times greater than the legacy of sin. And we should have shouted on that. Listen to this passage here. This is Psalm 45, verse 17. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. 
So I go back and I look here. That was King David. Remember it said he served his generation. So I encourage you to say, Father God, I, I ask you to grace me to be a man that wants to love you. And the way I love God is the way I obey God. John 14, 15, the Lord Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. And so I begin to look at this and I said, Father God, I desire that you impact every one of us in here today. Every father in here, father to be with this heart that says, I want to live a, a, a godly legacy on my children and my grandchildren. Now turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. So I start studying the passages of scriptures and different ones. And I said, Father God, give me, a, give me a great illustration of a godly daddy in difficult times. And the reason I highlight difficult times is because we're in, we're in different difficult times. You see more and more of, of people drifting to the things of the world instead of God. That's why I'm so honored that you fathers would come out today. Genesis 6, verse 1. This is a passage about a man named Noah. Now it came to pass. Oftentimes that statement right there reveals trouble. When men begin to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, many believe these were the descendants of Seth, godly. They saw the daughters of men, the descendants of Cain, ungodly. And that they were beautiful. Now, the thought of beautiful women just taking place now, that's not true. If you look at this, beautiful women have been around a long, 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 long time. And it's interesting that it says that the sons of God saw them. Be careful of lies what you see. So what happens with the male gender is that males fall in love with their eyes. That's why in the book of Job, chapter 31, Job said, I've got to make a covenant with, the, with my eyes. And so where we're going with this is these sons of God, they took notice of how beautiful these women were. Now keep reading, verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with this man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So if I back up and I put verse 2 and verse 3 together, it says they took wives from the son of men. When you read into that, it says that they chose wives without thinking, are they godly or are they ungodly? And so literally what's talking about right here is they overrode what God desired them because of their beauty. In other words, they had no thought. Could they be a part of an ungodly culture? And so when you read this verse and God says, I won't thrive or strive with them for any longer. I'm going to give them 120 years. It's a product that they became, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, unequally yoked. And it caused huge problems. They ended up marrying them is what takes place. 
And so when you see God said, I'll give them 120 years, literally God came to this man named Noah and said, I'm going to give you 120 years to tell them the truth. Verse 5. Verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now again, when you see right here that they bore children to them, this is where we start running into issues. That's why you got to know who you're marrying. You want godly children. And so when you begin to see this right here, what happens is our children are going to be influenced one way or another. Verse number five. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. God still sees the wickedness of man. And that every intent of the thoughts and the hearts was only evil continually. He, he observed the extent of wickedness. The, the, gener, the, the degeneration of the human race was proceeding rapidly. Right there before God. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. You know why this bothered God so much? Because God had aspirations for humans to live up here. But because they took God out of the picture, they were living down here. That's why he was grieved like that. So the Lord said, I will destroy man who I've created from the face of the earth both men, because who I created the face of both man and beast, creeping things, birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. So we begin to see this is not a good thing. Verse eight, but, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. One translation says, Noah was a pleasure to the Lord. He makes me smile. Now, it's interesting they use the word, Noah found grace. When we study about grace, 1 Peter 5, 5 says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Remember again, any time that I humble myself before Father God, grace is a currency in heaven that attracts God. So there's something right here that we begin to get about this guy named Noah that God said he found grace with me. Now what I want to highlight again is, remember the earth is wicked, it's bad, but yet this one man named Noah, he said, I'm, I'm not going to live like the rest of the world. I highlight that. Because God still looks for men who say, I'm going to be godly in an ungodly society. Now, watch how the scriptures begin to portray this guy named Noah. This is the genealogy or the family tree of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generation. Now, understand this. Many translations will say blameless. Noah was not without sin. I believe when it says he was blameless or perfect in his generation, I believe that when he blew it, you know what he did? He repented. But 
but he said he was perfect in his generation. Now look at this. Noah walked with God. Noah hung out with God. No one drew near to God. Now remember, think about this because this is a society that God says, I'm going to destroy. But yet this one man says, I'm going to walk with God all the days of my life. And so now we look into even more in verse number nine. And this may be one of the reasons he said, I'm going to walk with God. Verse 10. And Noah begot three sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth. He walked in close fellowship with God. And so when you look at this man named Noah, we can say there was a dad in that house. There was a man of God in that house. There was a man of God who not only walked for, with God for his own behalf, but he wanted to be the model. He wanted to be the blueprint. He wanted to be the example to his family, to his children. Now, when you look at these children here, usually in Jewish commentary, they'll list in order from the oldest to the youngest. In this passage right here, it lists Shem, then Ham, and Japheth. The oldest of them was Japheth, and the baby of them was Ham. But if you did a study on their lives, the one named Shem, he lived incredibly godly. After the flood, and, and, and the men begin to populate the earth over and over, I would find out that the patriarchs would send their children to this guy named Shem, and Shem would teach them about the things of God. Where do you think Shem learned them? Shem learned them from his father, this guy named Noah, who said, I'm going to be godly. Keep reading with me, verse 11. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Here's an interesting thought for you. Even though the earth was filled with violence, this man named Noah said, I want to influence my children instead of my children being influenced by the world. Man, a godly daddy. A dad in the house that's godly. A dad in the house that said, you know what, I, I, I don't want to let my children down. And so the behavior of a father has profound impact on his children. So I begin to think about this. Now I've got to, I've got to paraphrase some of this for time. Remember God tells Noah, you've got 120 years to build that ark. 120 years. So day after day after day, Noah's children saw him going to work and building that ark. And if you read this parable or this passage in here about this, it would say that the people of the world begin to mock Noah and they would tell him how stupid he was for doing that. There's not even a lake around here. Why would you be doing that? And so I wonder if Noah's children heard this and witnessed this and said, Dad, why are you building that? Everybody's making fun of you. And I wonder if Noah's response was, 
because God told me to. That I'm going to obey God above humans. I'm going to obey what God says. And so day by day, this guy was a living model of what it means to get up and go to work. Let me ask you something right now. How many had a father or a grandfather that displayed that before you? It's incredible in our society. You know what most of our business owners right here in our church will say? Pastor, I just want someone to show up to work and that'll work hard. And so I, I, don't, know, I don't know about you, but I, I thank God the model that my father presented before me to get up and go to work. You know, when you're 13, 14, 15, you have your thought, my dad is stupid. But when you turn 22, all of a sudden, overnight, he becomes brilliant. I remember in, in basketball, having a new pair of basketball shoes to play basketball. And I remember day after day after day looking at my dad and the shoes he would wear. And you know what I realized? He sacrificed so I could have. And I remember numerous times over and over the lessons of life that my dad taught me. He left it an impact upon me. I told this, service, uh, this story in the first service. I hated to lose. I still hate to lose. I'm just a lot better loser now than I used to be. But as a seventh grader, I played on a basketball team and we, we were beyond horrible. We were pathetic. And I hated to lose. I hated to lose. And so at the Christmas break, my dad said to me one day, he said, hey, you, you've got to go back and start going to basketball practice. And I said, I'm not going back anymore. I said, I'm tired of losing like that. And he looked at me and he said, you're not quitting. And I said, oh, yeah, I am. I'm done. And he said, oh, no, you're not. He said, I remember a month or so ago, they had tryouts and you went and tried out for that team and you made the team. So you made a commitment to be on that team. It didn't say you're on that team as long as you win. And he said, you're going to finish the season. And he said, next year, if you don't want to play, you don't have to play, but you're going to finish it this year. That's child abuse. Why would he do that to me? You know why he did it to me? Because he knows that if you quit one thing, it's very easy to start quitting other things. And I thank God my dad didn't let me do that. And so again, I begin to look at some of these things with Noah. And then again, remember that when they get on the ark, there's not any rain, but it begins to rain. And I'm sure Shem and Ham and Japheth, they're thinking, dad's brilliant. How'd he know that? And then they probably never had a thought that it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. So where did all this food come from that we're eating? That's brilliant. But the greatest thing he left them was the heritage to be godly. Amen. Look at the last verse in chapter 6, verse 22. Thus Noah did 
Maybe you ought to highlight that word did. Thus Noah did. He was a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. And so this became the blueprint that he said to his boys, basically. It's one thing to know about the things of God. It's another thing to do them. And I believe this is the heritage that, that he, he desired to live the, uh, leave them. He modeled this. He displayed this. Let me ask you this. What are you modeling to your children today? Do you model godly character? Again, it's never too late to get to that place. But I applaud godly dads. And so again, I begin to look at this, the time he was in, and I think in our society right now, more and more people don't serve God. Hang in there, daddies. Hang in there. One last passage I want to leave you. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. You know, I, I grew up with the, the healthy fear of my father in a good way. You know, you start getting a little older and you start thinking you're a little stronger and a little tougher. And I remember one day my dad looked at me and my brother and said, if you two ever talk to your, to, to your mother the way you did, he said, you're going to see a different side of me than you've ever seen. And he said, I never want you to forget this. Your mother is my girlfriend. We kind of looked at each other like, what's he talking about? And then we realized my mama was his girlfriend long before we came on the scene. And she'll be his girlfriend long after we leave. When I was a senior in high school, I, I hated to be in front of crowds. So I had this class to prepare you for college, and I hated it. I didn't really want to go. I didn't like to go. But I figured out some things in that class that every week you had to read out loud, one time a week. So instead of torturing myself and thinking about it all week, it was a man teacher, and he'd said, who wants to read today, which was Monday? And I'd say, I want to do it, and I just want to get it over with. And so I read that day, and so Friday comes along, and this teacher calls my name and says, it's time for you to read. And I said, nope, I've already read. And he said, no, you're going to read again today. And I said, no, I've already read this week. And so we begin to kind of go back and forth. Now, understand this, because this was before I was born again. So I'm telling you, I, you know, without Jesus, life makes no sense. That's for somebody in here. That's why life's not making sense to you. You don't have Jesus or God. So there's a, there's a lady who lives here in Lubbock who's in the ministry. She's a missionary. She's served God since she came out of her mother's womb. She's loved God all her life. And so she sits by me in this class. And she whispers to me and she says, Stormy, just obey. Just do it. And I said, I'm, I'm not obeying. I'm not doing it. 
And he said, Mr. Swan, if you don't come up here and read, there's going to be consequences. And of course, I had a little mouth and part of my response was, yeah, the consequences are going to be you. And so this starts going back and forth. Well, the, the high school I went in the door, uh, uh, right in the middle of the door was a little bitty window. You remember those? And I look in the middle of that window and I see this eye and I realize it's my dad. <laughs> the paraphrased edition of that is craporific. <laughs> and I look and my dad coached at the high school I went to and he taught and I saw him do this. And so I walked out in the hall and he said, you got two choices. Choice number A is you walk back in there in front of the whole class and you apologize. Or choice B is you suffer the consequences at my hands. Now, I lived in a house where my dad would paddle my butt. And it wasn't pleasant. And man, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in a dilemma here. <laughs> What'd you do? I walked back in and I apologized. And so I remember getting home that evening and he looked at me and he said, you ever, you ever pull that junk again? He said, I'm not going to give you a choice. There will be no choices. And so I thank God for that. I thank God I had a God, I had a father that said, you're not going to act that way. And so I'm, I'm talking to some of you young ones right now. Respect that. I, I, I thank God for my dad now. I've said to my own father, I thank you for disciplining me. I thank you for not giving me my own way. Exodus 15. I'm jumping a little bit. This is Moses, verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he's thrown into the sea. Now, this is when they crossed the Jordan or the Red Sea and the sea split and they all drowned. Verse 2, now listen to this. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my song. The Lord has become my salvation. The Lord is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Now, look at this, verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. The message says our God is a fighter and the Lord or Yahweh is his name. You know what I want to highlight that today? God's DNA is all over us, daddies. And you know who God fought for? His sons and his daughter. And the way God fights is what we call a spiritual battle, a spiritual fight. And when they sang the song, sing a hallelujah, that one song says, heaven comes to fight for me. Well, guys, we're in here today, and guess what? God wants to touch every one of our hearts with a heart of a warrior that says, I'm going to fight for my children, and I'm going to fight in the spirit realm, and I'm going to pray for them, and I'm going to tell them the truth, and I'm going to be a living, breathing, walking testimony. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.